My name is Sean Thomas, and I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great, or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. What's going on, folks? It's your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas, back in the building, episode 79 of the Be More Today show. We are back, we are back, we are back in the building. And folks, 79 episodes. I can't even tell you how happy I am that we made it this far. It's been awesome showing this movement of Be More Today and sharing it with all of you guys. We are moving forward and we are heard now in 46 countries. So the show is growing, continuing to go on uh, Apple and Stitcher and all the podcast platforms are everywhere. We're on uh, YouTube as well. So you can go on there and check out the video portion of the podcast on every week on, on YouTube. But we're moving forward and we're growing, continuing to push forward through different venues. Um, it's been really great. And I got to say thank you to all the Be More Today supporters who've been with us since day one. Uh, right now, we're almost hitting 9,000 uh, hits for our shows. And it's been great just seeing the progression of the show, seeing all the people on the show who poured into you as listeners and just sharing their feedback, sharing their stories, sharing their journeys about uh, athletics, about sports, about health and wellness, and how we all can be better versions of ourselves. So thank you so much for your support. Um, our quote for today is simple as always, and it says, consistency is harder when no one is clapping for you. You must clap for yourself during these times. You must always be your biggest Fan. As I told you guys before, we are in marathon season. Uh, I'm about to hit my fifth and final, I think, I think, fifth and final marathon uh, with New York coming in a couple weeks. And uh, it's been fun. You know, the the, the the hard thing about marathon training, because you train for months for this thing that lasts for, you know, hopefully three, four hours, sometimes five, six hours. But you put all this work into it and consistency is great. But there's so many times when you're literally just by yourself. Uh, there's so many five o'clock in the morning runs where you're just by yourself, um, training in the gym by yourself, you know, doing these things that you know are going to be part of your process for training, but recognizing that, you know, no one's clapping for you during the training. They clap for you during the race, which is great. But even during the race, when you're running, sometimes there are moments when it's just quiet, where you're not surrounded by people around you, especially if you're doing like an OCR uh, course training or something like Spartan race where you're in the woods by yourself. There are moments when there's lots of crowds around you and moments when you're always by yourself. But it's in those times, right? We have to keep make, remembering that we're clapping for ourselves, that we're pushing forward to make sure that no matter who's around us, 
you're your biggest fan, that you're knowing why you did this, you know what your why is, you know why you're pushing, why you're training, and that no matter if there are 10,000 people saying your name or if it's just one, that you're going to go out there and give it your all. Consistency is harder when no one is clapping for you, and it's true. So I just encourage you guys this week to go out there and be consistent. Uh, when no one's watching, whether it's part of your job, part of your athletic pursuits, whether it's you're in school right now or otherwise, or even talk to your kids. Uh, when times get rough, when the crowd is not watching, when all the fans are not there, in there anymore, keep pushing forward and be consistent. I guarantee you, you will hit those goals. And my guest on the show today for episode 79 embodies that. She's a good friend of mine. Uh, I'm so glad I reconnected with her on social media because she's been doing some great things. And I can't say I went to high school and college with many people, but she is one of them. Her name is Caroline Stout. Now, Stout, what's that all about? Her bio is as follows. Professionally, she's an attorney, term realtor, but currently she is on sabbatical living in Sweden for a year with her family. Now, uh, she is Again, uh, a Choate alumni, a Brown alumni, Bruno, you know, forever true to Golden Blue, ever true all around. But athletically after college, she continued running, but very much as a recreational runner, jumping into local races from the 5K to the marathon, and never really focused on her training. She continued enjoying the act of running, but lost her competitive drive and focus. And then in 2018, she discovered the infamous Spartan races. As I told you guys many, many times, I've done 20 of these things and she's taken this thing to the next level. Quickly in 2019, she realized that she wanted to try a Spartan Ultra and all of her passion for running and competing came back. In 2019, her very first Ultra and her fourth OCR race, she finished second at the Spartan Killington Ultra, which is a tough course. She followed that with the Spartan Ultra World Championships in 2019 in Sweden, her first ever ultra and her first 24-hour event finishing just minutes outside of the top 10. Then when the pandemic hit, she had to find her own adventures. Instead of signing up for organized virtual races and runs, except for our, of course, Be More Today, Be More Today for Black Lives Matter run, which I appreciate so much. She decided to choose her own adventure routes. And in October 2020, she ran her first 100,000 or 100K as a solo adventure running the length of Cape Cod from Sagamore Bridge to Provincetown. Wow. In May, 2021, she took on a four by four by 48 run, running four minutes or four miles every four hours for 48 hours. I gotta say it again, four miles for four hours for 48 hours. Instead of taking this on as a solo adventure, she brought her community around and turned into a fundraiser, which guys, listen, she has raised 13, thousand dollars for the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund from this charity event alone. She's currently enjoying running the running scene in Sweden, and uh, she has already been part of the world's largest cross-country race, which is a 30K, and is taking on a local trail run, which is a 50K this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pets included, please welcome to the stage my friend and the ultra marathoner, Caroline Stout. Stout, what is going on? Thanks so much for having me, Sean. And I'm so excited to hear the quote all about consistency because I have some thoughts on consistency that I'm sure we'll get to as we talk about ultra training because that's really what that's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So good to to connect with you. Yeah, I'm excited to connect with you too. I, I, 
I'm happy that you're you're doing your running thing. So, to, you know, I don't know if you realize this, but I did not like cross country running at all. Um, as you know, we had a coach named Ned Gallagher uh, yeah. in in high school, and I did cross country only because I ran track in the spring. And Coach Harder said, "You want to get better, you have to do cross country," and I hated it. Uh, I hated every minute of it. I hated every second of it. But I did <laughs> I did appreciate the 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 discipline that came with it and seeing that it just made me so much stronger for the outdoor season i really grew to appreciate it and never thought i'd be running past that you know in my in my older years but cross country definitely sparked a a, a a passion for running in me but me looking at you as a runner i was a fan because you were a rock star uh in college and then you know not many people can say they went to high school and college with the same kind of people but seeing you being a rock star on the high school level and then taking that to the college level, you know, you've just been doing this for such a long time. So I've just, I've always been in awe of you and your tenacity, your ability to win all these races. Um, it would seem like effortlessly to me, but I know you were clearly working hard to do these things. So it made no surprise to me when I saw you that you were just doing these things on a bigger level. Um, but I'm just proud of you. I'm really excited to hear about your story. And I want to know what, for you, got you into running distances in the first place. But I know how I got involved in it. I was kind of thrown into it, not by choice, but some people actually <laughs> choose to do these things at an early age. So what sparked the distance running uh, phenomenon for you? Yeah, quite the opposite story of yours, because as soon as I found it, I loved it. Um, but I, I don't know if you know this, freshman and sophomore year at Choke, I was the field hockey bully. And I was not very good at it. I, I would say I was bottom of the barrel as far as field hockey boys go. I didn't like it, but we had to do a sport. So that was my sport. Um, and then sophomore fall, I don't know if you remember, we had dorm competitions at Chip. And one of the big pieces of the competition in the fall was the Cape Grace. And the Cape Grace was the whole school would go out and run the cross-country course, and whoever won got to bring a big cake back to their dorm. So I did the cake race for my dorm. You know, we all did it, but I was out there. I said, okay, fine, I'll do this cake race thing. And I won. And I think everyone in the school kind of looked and said, what, you know, beat all the cross-country runners. And I think everyone in the school kind of looked and said, what is this girl doing in a field hockey goal? Why is she there? So that was my first step into distance running. I loved it from that moment on. I want a cake. How can you not love that? <laughs> <laughs> so I, that spring, joined the track team. Freshman spring, I had played tennis again. I was fine. I knew how to hold a tennis racket, but <laughs> it was not. I, I don't think I was going very far in the tennis world. So sophomore spring, I decided to run track. And I think it took maybe a week before I realized that I was not going to be field hockey anymore, that I would do cross country in the following fall. So yeah, that cake race was what did, I don't know if I, if I would be a runner today if we didn't have a cake race that joke. <laughs> That's crazy. I did not know that at all. I remember the cake race, um, but I guess because I, uh, so I was the year ahead of you, I guess because I didn't yeah. really see, I just always saw you as runner. I, that's how I always saw you. You know, I never really saw yeah. the the progression of, of of this movement. But no, that's an amazing story. And clearly, without the cake race, you have no ability to see the great thing you're doing today. So that that's awesome. 
Um, yeah, it, it's fun looking back at that because I do, I, I credit that cake race with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly you ran, um, you know, cross country at Choate and then clearly you ran together yeah. at Brown. Um, what are some of the aspects of, I guess, you know, athletics and, and, and the training that goes into this that you've applied to your professional life? I know you're an attorney now and also a realtor. So I always ask people, you know, sports, I think for me is the groundwork for so many things. But, you know, people apply those things to life in various ways. And I'm always curious how people who have been athletes and continue to be athletes apply these same principles to their professional life. So what are some of the tips that you you view or disciplines you've actually studied or I guess follow that continue to be present in your athletic career, athletic pursuits, and also your professional endeavors? Yeah, I think, I mean, the first thing is, and this is, I guess, less trained than just innate, but I'm a bit type A, which I think helps in in athletics as well as um, professionally. But I think, I think a lot of it is, it's about, I mean, you brought up consistency and I'll bring this up again later, but it's, it's about consistency. It's about time management. It's about discipline. And I think to succeed at any level in athletics, whether it's whether you're training for your first 5K, you're training for an ultra marathon, or even playing a ball sport, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you need to have a lot of discipline. You need to get out there when it's when the weather's bad. You need to have a lot of time management skills. And I think trying to combine athletics with a professional career, those things are even more important. And I think, you know, I find that I tend to be more successful athletically as well as in business when I have things going on. So if I know, you know, I want to, I need to get X, Y, and Z done today, and I need to get this workout in today. I think that figuring out the schedule for the day and how to manage that time where I think if I and too much free time, maybe none of it would get done. <laughs> um, and I think the other piece of it, and this isn't, you know, maybe exactly how you were asking the questions, but for me, I find athletics to be a, um, a way to decompress. And I think that helps me professionally. I can kind of compartmentalize, okay, now is my time to, to be with me and to clear my head and whatever work stress I have going on, I can ignore for the next hour or two and I think that helps me then once I come back to the to the work that I have to be doing to kind of come back with a fresh face and and reboot a little bit the athletics certainly helps me do that yeah I completely agree I've I've talked about that a couple of times personally just how uh you know I'm not I don't call myself a marathoner Uh, I mean I run you are (laughs) I guess I call myself marathoner now right you are um (laughs) But, you know, just just having this consistency and this ongoing goal, right, knowing that, okay, November, November 7th, this thing's going down and knowing that you have to prepare for these things every single week, month, day for that just gives me a, a bigger timeline. Okay, well, this this could be my 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 plan now for the next six months, five months. Right. And in between that, yes, work comes in and life comes in and family stuff comes in and their, you know, family engagements, whatever else on the weekends, but everything is really planned around this one event, which is so crazy. And, you know, I've, I've done, I'm, we'll talk about this in a second, Spartan races, as we're going to talk about, I've done 20 of those. And every time I do one of them, I also feel like, wow, I'm training for this thing. I have one that's going to be in April, one that's going to be in May. 
once they be in November. Okay, cool. And I literally built my whole life around those events in terms of training and, and nutrition and whatever else, because yeah. those are some platforms for me where I can say, okay, week one is done. And it just helps me get through my day. Whatever stress I have going on through the day doesn't feel that crazy anymore because I already have my morning workout, which already like drained me from whatever. And I feel like I can go to the next day knowing that, well, whatever challenge I'm going to see during the day, my workout was more intense than that. You know, so it always just gives like a better perspective for, yeah, I have a leak in the ceiling right now, but the 15 miles I ran yesterday, like that, that was tougher than this. So it does become a de-stressor and it does make you feel a little better with life. So I completely agree with all those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so listen, I, I know that we talked about you and your bio and you've done so many things with running, but uh, Spartan is something that's very, very near and dear and true to me. Um mm-hmm. We started doing Spartan races with a, a team called Spartan Sunday. It's actually, we made a whole group called Spartan Sunday, which is basically a, um, a church group that we have where we come together and we started off doing little videos, like little P90X videos, and say, you know, let's scratch all that. I became the instructor for the group, and we've done at least 20, mar- uh, 20 Spartan races so far all around the world. Um, and, you know, we've done the sprint, the super, the beast. I've talked a little bit on the show about what those races are, but ultras are a whole different ballgame. And I'm curious, for one, what sparked, how Spartan sparked your life back? I know that, you know, things hit and, and you said that Spartan brought you back to life. But I'm also curious about the consistency and the training it takes to do ultras. Because doing a marathon is one thing, right? Doing a Spartan sprint super beats is another thing. But putting those two things together is a whole <laughs> different mindset. So I need you to expound on the training the thought process, the mental toughness, all those things that come with ultra racing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take a step back to first to the Spartan piece of it. So yeah, as I, as you mentioned in the bio, you know, I was kind of in a, I'll call it a rut, but you know, I wasn't running as I wasn't running competitively and kind of just doing it, but not enjoying it in the same way. Um, I actually joined a CrossFit gym of all things because you CrossFit to ultra is a very typical um, <laughs> path. But so a bunch of people there, I mean, CrossFit wasn't for me, but I made a lot of friends there and they, a lot of them did Spartan races. So, you know, I joined one of these and I thought my first thought was, you know, I feel a little, little hokey maybe, I don't know. I, I did a super as my first one. I was so sore. I had no idea what hit me. I got to obstacles. I stood there for about five minutes. You know, I hadn't looked at any YouTube videos. I knew nothing. I stood there and just looked and said, I, you want my body to go over that? <laughs> I, just, I, I didn't understand physically what my body was supposed to do. Hmm. Um, but it was really fun. And what I think I liked, frankly, what I liked a lot about it was it was a new challenge and I didn't have any metrics or baseline, you know, I, I know what my side KPR is. It's from college. I'm never touching that number again. But the time didn't matter in the same way in this new odd world of Spartan and OCR. So for me, that was really fun to get into something where I was a novice. I never really had run on trails before. I had no idea. I had no strength. I had no grip ability. So it was really fun to get into something where I could do something new. So I so my first I did um so I did that super I did then the Killington Beast. I followed it up with that, which 
was not an easy raise. And I thought this is really, I liked it. It got long. It was suddenly longer than any of my marathons had been. So I was like, wow, that's the longest I've ever been out on any course doing anything. And I realized I liked the length. I liked the fact that I was suddenly pushing my body to a point that I thought, you know, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get to a point where my body's just going to say stop. And that was really fun. (laughs) (laughs) And I followed that up the following year with Owl's Head, which is in, they don't do it anymore, but it's in Canada. It's a very similar course to Killington with the beast there. And I thought, you know what, I have to do the ultra. This wasn't long enough, this, you know, six and a half hour or whatever. Yeah. Owl's Head was four and a half hours, I guess. Um, So I decided I was, you know, if you're going to take on an ultra, why not start with Killington? It's, <laughs> I'm living in Boston. It's close. And why not, you know, just go all in with it to begin with. So, yeah, I went into that race thinking, you know, again, I wanted to just push my body. I, I really thought there was a very good chance that I was not going to finish, that I would get timed out on the course. Um, I, I know a lot of people who have gotten timed out on that course on the ultra. And I just wanted to see what my body could do. And it poured rain. I did 450 birthdays, maybe, in that first ultra. But I was, as I was running along, you know, I'd get to every obstacle and I'd hear the um, the officials with their walkie-talkie saying, you know, first female ultra coming through. And I kind of looked at them the first time. I said, what do you mean first one? Surely there are, you know, 15 people ahead of me. And... That was, you know, most of the race. I ended up getting passed in the last couple of miles by the woman who ultimately run it, but I won it. But I was like, this is just awesome. I love being out here. I loved, I had, you know, friends at the bottom of the mountain. So it's, just, you know, the ultras are two loops. So you do come back to the bottom of the mountain. You know, I had people cheering for me there, but through the woods, to your point at the beginning with that quote, I was by myself and it was just, it was me. And you go through, when you do the ultra, it's actually, and this is only really relevant for anyone who's been in, a, you know, you know, the Spartan scene, but the second loop, most of the people who the ultra runners are passing are the open, open wave runners who started a little later in the day. And that was such an amazing experience to me. You know, you'd be running by people and you have a special, a special bib on to show that you're an ultra runner. And if you're one of the top five in the pack, you have a special white bib on, on lap two. And it was so cool, the encouragement that I got from all the open wave runners who, you know, they're out there, they were out there to finish. They wanted to encourage me to like, what do you need? What, what, how can we encourage you? You know, people offered help, which I wasn't allowed to take um, over a couple obstacles as I was tired because when you're in the competitive ways, you can't have help. They're like, what can we do to, you know, help get you through? So it was, it was awesome. It was really fun. I love, I love sort of the back and forth. It's a, it's a slow enough race that you actually can chat with people in a way. If you're running a 5k on the roads as a race, you're not chatting with anyone, but in an ultra, you're talking to people through the race. Um, and it becomes much more social. It's really, everyone's out there to, whether you're competing or not, you're out there for yourself in a different way. I find. So it's, there's a lot more community, a lot more sort of, I don't know if collaboration is the right term, but a lot more cheering for each other and, it's, just, it's, a, it's an awesome environment um, in the in the Spartan world and then as I've learned the ultra world more generally. So, yeah, so I ended up finishing that race second and then thought, you know, why not go Sweden's my second hole, now my first uh, for the year. But why not take on this 24-hour 
ultra world championship and see what I can do. <laughs> it was there. So why not try it? Um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm hooked on the, on the ultras and now I've done some, you know, the, um, some that are not non-obstacles as well. And and you asked about the training and I guess the, the biggest thing I can say about training for an ultra is I think a lot of people want a magic bullet. They want sort of some great answer. There's nothing sexy about it. It is go out there, do the work. I, I have coaches who program my, my running and my strength work. And I, they, I do it online. I chat with them, chat or email with them once a week. We tweak the program if necessary, but I have my schedule for the day and I go out and do it. And the workouts are hard. It's hard running, but it is not fancy. It is, you know, right down to the basics. It is threshold kind of work where you're, you know, the, the threshold pace is in theory of pace you could, or tempo pace, pace you could hold for an hour, if, you know, with a gun to your head. Um, so it's, it's work at that pace. It's some faster work um, on the hard days. And you have to get out there and, and do it. And I think the other, another huge component is the recovery. And this is something that took me a little longer, but I, two days a week, I am running really hard. The other days, four days a week, one day I'm off, four days a week, I am running really, really easy and painfully, painfully slow. Um, and I think this is something that, again, took me, took me some time to learn. But if you want to, if you want to push your body to go really hard when you're working hard, you need to polarize your training so that your body's going really easy. You need to allow your muscles to, to recover after those runs. And I think a lot of, I mean, I, I fell into this trap for 20 years, um, probably, but just running, you know, basically the same pace every single day on runs and that, that your body's never going to, you're not going to get faster. You're not going to get better. And you're not going to be recovered enough to go out the next day. So that's been a huge part of my training. So much of it is, is boring. You're out there for a long, slow, slow run and you know people say you know oh, what pace do you run at and I'm not going to throw numbers out on the podcast but you know, I'm, I'm like I don't even want to talk about it because that that pace is irrelevant on those slow days um and I think along and you know along with recovery I I, I do PT when I need to I, I have a, a physio I get massage and I'm talking you know the, the deep the deep tissue stuff really work through any of the kinks before they become before they become problems. Um, I think the nutrition piece of it is huge and goes right along with recovery. I used to be very happy to wake up in the morning, go out and do my run that was always a you know, five mile run at the exact same pace and be fine with it. I've learned that I can't go out without at least putting something in my body first. And as soon as I get back from a run or a strength session, put something in the body, try and, you know, again, it all goes back to the recovery, I think. You're not going to get any faster, and you're not going to be able to go any further if you're not letting your body recover. So learn that that's a big, big part of it. And again, it's nothing flashy. It's not. There's no magic bullet. It's, it's just it's, it's be consistent. It's recover well, eat well, 
eat enough and and get the work done. It, it helps a lot to have someone program the work for me and tell me exactly what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's that's incredible. I I I I affirm everything you said uh, in various <laughs> ways. I, I think the recovery piece is something that a lot of people neglect. And it's the one thing that makes a lot of people get discouraged when they do get hurt, when they're trying to train for these things. And whether it's a marathon or an ultra, you know, it takes a lot of effort and work into doing that. And then when you get to a point where it's taper time, right? And people are so pushing forward, but not really getting the rest and recognizing that, you know, seven hours of sleep is more important than you trying to get that one extra workout in sometimes yeah. and, and, and recovery for hydration, whatever else, all those key components like, like cars, you know, we need our fuel. So I think you, you being at, at the, at the precipice of recognizing that that's most important, like you said, just took your train to the next level. And a lot of people, when they are training, even if they're novices, don't really take those things into consideration and that becomes their downfall. So, um, and like you said, also with the, with the PT and recovery, um, a firm believer in all that clearly, because what I do, yeah. uh, <laughs> which I should be, but I do think it, it, it is a combination of all those things. And I, I like that you also mentioned the nutrition aspect of it, because I think a lot of people, especially for OCRs, right? I mean, I, I've done Killington, but mm -hmm. just the beast. So just <laughs> one time, right? Not the double and no two death marks, just one death march. <laughs> And uh, that to me itself was, it was tough. You know, you're, you're hydrating yourself with, with whatever during the race, whether it's mustard packets or what jellies or whatever you're taking during those mm -hmm. races and continuing to fuel yourself for those. Um, but to do that for two laps, you know, it's just, to me, just, just crazy, but it takes a special person, you know, when you have that consistency and the training in that um, you see results. And I do think that what you said was poignant talking about the two days on and the four days that you go very, very slow. In my experience, that's the hardest part for most people. Because I think a lot of people have no hard issues, no issues at all going hard for whatever, right? Oh, we're going to go hard on these hills and, you know, it's going to be a tough day on Monday. Let's get it. And they go hard on those days. But when it comes to, look, take that whole thing down and just go at a, a tortoise pace, you know, for a couple <laughs> of different workouts, that's tough for people. And they, they have a hard time understanding how that can be beneficial to make you better in the long run. And I even had that now with my runners trying to tell them, look, it's time to taper. So, you know, no need to go out there and do these long races anymore. Go out there and just do a recovery mm -hmm. four mile. What's that mean? And they have a hard time understanding that, you know, it's literally just you taking your pace much, much slower. And like you said, giving your body a chance to really just rest. And, yeah. you know, I think that you are at a point now where you, you know all the tips to make sure that you can perform mm -hmm. At, at a high level, especially since you, of course, you're doing the, the, the race out there in Sweden. And I'm so impressed by you that, you know, <laughs> you went out there and did the, the Spartan race in Sweden and just nearly missed the top 10. I mean, listen, to go from not doing these things, things at all to almost didn't get the top 10 in the international competition, that to me is just huge. It's huge. And you got to give yourself kudos for that. <laughs> That's really, really impressive. Um, so I salute you, Carolyn Stout. Aru, Aru. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so listen, I know you did and you continue to do these races, but you also uh, did a special NCAA CP fundraiser. And before I say that, thank you so much for being a part of our uh, virtual 5K that we did. I'm that was fun. Um, really appreciate that. Um, but talk to us about your event and this crazy four by four by 48 mile run that I don't even know how who came up with the concept of this thing, but it just sounds painful. 
truth be told, I don't actually know where that concept originated. I've seen it floating around. I did not come up with the concept, but I don't know where it originated. Um, so, yeah, for me, um, I mean, running is a, a self, feels like a selfish endeavor to me. I've never, I've done it for myself. Obviously, I've been on teams that showed at Brown, but it's it's been for me and certainly post-collegiately. Um, you know, I've never run a, mar- a marathon for charity. I've never been a coach. I've, it's, it's something that I do because I think it's valuable for, for me, for my life. Um, the past year and a half, I think hit differently for everybody in the whole world <laughs> for many reasons. Um, I think the, the pandemic, obviously, um, I think the whole country taking a, a deeper dive into systemic racism and for me, as a white woman married to a white man, raising white children in a predominantly white town, I wanted—I want to make sure, and I'm not going to use sense for that. I want to make sure that I am taking more concrete actions than sharing a post on social media with a heartbroken emoji. That that, that doesn't mean anything. Um, so, you know, one thing that I've done over the past year and a half is met weekly with colleagues, fellow um, real estate agents, and we've looked at systemic racism in the housing industry, which obviously has a very painful past and present, and looked specifically, sort of looked at the industry as a whole, looked at our own businesses, how we could make our own businesses more anti-racist, how we can what, if anything, we as this small group can do um, in, in both in our own businesses, but also in the industry. So that's sort of a little bit of background. Um, and then I was thinking, you know, through the spring, again, being a runner with no races on the horizon because everything was canceled, thinking, what can I, what can I do? What can I do that feels a little more active, a little more engaging, feels like it might make? a little tiny bit of a difference. And I had heard of this four by four by 48. So the four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And I thought that seems like a really fun, again, I'd like to see what my body can do. Can my body basically go with no sleep? You need to sleep a little bit, but almost no sleep for 48 hours. I don't know. Let's give it a try. So from a sort of physical, mental standpoint, I thought that seemed like a, like a fun challenge to take on. Um, but I wanted to put put a little bit of a different spin on it. So I decided to try to make it a community event. Um, and it was, it was my run, but it was to, to bring bring other people along with me virtually or in person. Um, so I decided to make it a fundraiser for the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. And I, I chose them because of the work that they're doing with advocacy with education in public policy and criminal justice reform and voting rights, dismantling school to prison pipeline. And so I knew that any, any dollars I raised would be used wisely with this organization um, and would have an impact. And so in, and then in this four by four by 48, there are 12 different runs. So I decided that each run would be dedicated to an individual whose life was taken too soon by police or vigilante violence. 
And the final run, which was actually Mother's Day morning, and sorry, my choke up, <laughs> was, um, was dedicated to the moms who were in mourning. So I had different friends. I had friends run with me on every single one of these runs. One or two people ran with me for every single one. Um, my husband started it and he finished it with me as well. Um, and then otherwise I had friends running with me each time. Every single run started with a moment of silence and a few words about the person who that run was dedicated to. Um, and that was really, really powerful. And I had a number of friends who ran with me who said, you know, I didn't remember that person from the news. I didn't remember their story, but when I knew that I was doing my run for this person, I went and looked up their story. So there was, there was a bit of an education component and a lot and some awareness raising, I think. Um, and I, when I started it, I thought, you know, let's put this out there. Wouldn't it be really cool to raise a thousand dollars? And just, I didn't know, I didn't know what would happen. <laughs> um, and at the end of the day, it raised over $13,000, which was, it was just awesome. Um, and it was really, it was really special. Like I said, it brought my, my neighbors and friends came out. They created a finish line at the end. I think everyone, you know, I, I, I had people reaching out from, from far and wide friends, acquaintances, strangers, people who heard about this because one of their acquaintances shared one of my posts about it. So it, it, it ended up taking off, I think, in a way that I never expected it to. And that felt like, you know, maybe in my small corner of the world, it, it made a little bit of a difference, which was kind of cool because that's never been, that's never been what running has been about for me. And it was really, really special to, to, to combine that and have running be something a little more meaningful than just me going out for, you know, to get a medal. Yeah. I mean, that incredible. Um, I, I remember seeing the post online about it and I was wowed by it then, but hearing the backstory, uh, just brings it all home. And, you know, it, it's really, the running community in general is amazing. Um, no matter where you are, you know, it's that thing where you might not even know the person at all, but you run by them. They're running by you. It's four in the morning. They just know that you're out there. You're out there with them. And it's either a head nod or a high five or, uh, you know, a, yeah. an unspoken acknowledgement that you're also running with them at this ungodly time in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's also even bigger when an event like this goes down, right? And people just respect and admire the dedication that that you're putting into this thing. The fact that people ran with you, your husband, other people ran with you every single time you went out there for a four-mile run. Um, and of course, you know, the dedication that you gave to all of the families and, and the moms, of course, that, that to me is huge. And I, I think a lot of things came out of COVID-19 that were course negative and, and, and sad but so many beautiful things came out of this 18 month madness that we all came out of and a lot of people started new businesses ventures etc and even this fundraiser that you did um without COVID-19 might not have even happened but the fact that it did is a beautiful thing and and you know part of the more today show is really focusing on ordinary people doing extraordinary things and you have basically embodied that in a way that to me, it's just incredible. Um, and to bring in your community and, and the people around you who are supporting, you know, I, I, I salute you in the sense that a lot of people talk about 
Black Lives Matter, a lot of people talk about what they want to do, how we should change things, et cetera. But a lot of people don't, don't know always how to. And yes, I think the entire world was fixated on black squares on, on social media, right? And, and just putting out anything that signaled or uh, uh, was in line with what the rest of the world was acknowledging at that time. But to actually do something about it, to actually put funds in a certain place, to actually make a change that's a, a an actual physical change in someone's life. You know, those things are, are not always always happening. And the fact that you did that on such a grand scale is 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 noteworthy. So I salute you for that. That that's huge. That's really, really huge. So um listen, you know, we have had a lot number of people on the show talk about what Be More Today means to them. And everybody has a different spin on it. And you, my friend, are the 79th person on this show. So when you hear the phrase be more today, what does that phrase mean to you? Yeah, I, I love this phrase. I really do. I think it's awesome. Um, and I think my sin's a little different than, um, than, than yours is, and I'm sure the other people's are. But so when, my, when our kids go to school every day, when they leave the house, the last thing we say is go make the world a better place. And in my mind, that's a big part of it. And I think the best way to, to for an individual, for me, to to be more is to do something outside myself. And some days, maybe that's raise $13,000. Some days, maybe that's make someone smile. And it kind of, it, it can take any, any different path. But if you go into each day and focus on make the world a better place, what am I going to do today to make the world a better place? I think that, that that's, that's what it means to me. And that's what I think of when I think of being more today. <laughs> yeah, that's solid. That's solid. So, Miss Stout, what's next on your agenda? I mean, you've done so many things, right? You, you've hit so many races, so many pinnacles. Races are opening up now across the world. Um, yeah. What's next for you in terms of training, athletics, work stuff, fundraisers, anything? Yeah, so as, as you mentioned at the beginning, I am on, I guess, a bit of a sabbatical year in Sweden, living here with my family. So I am excited to take on some fun runs around Europe. Um, I'm not sure what it all looks like yet. I'd love to do a, in the spring, a big European city marathon, um, you know, get back to the road, do, do a marathon there, find some fun, um, some fun events in Sweden on some of the trails here, elsewhere in Europe. Who, who knows? I'd love to try a backyard ultra, one of these reruns, just over four miles every hour on the hour for as long as you can and only one person finishes the race or everyone else's um, DNF. So I, I don't know, finding fun adventures around, around Europe and really taking advantage of this year with my, with my family. We've got a pretty special opportunity to, to, to have some adventures. So really trying to make sure that we, that we take advantage of that time. That's awesome. That's awesome. I wish you the best with that, clearly. I'm sure you're going to find lots of adventures to, to do, especially the things that are opening up. So uh, I wish you the best with that. Um, listen, yeah. where do people follow you on social media or otherwise? Yeah, I'm on I'm on Instagram at, um, it's my last name, it's scout.caroline. And otherwise, if anyone has any ideas of fun races that they're going to, let me know and maybe I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Caroline Stout, ultra marathoner, 
Spartan Extraordinaire. Thank you so much for being on the Be More Today show. You've made episode 79, one for the books. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy that you're doing some great, great things. I wish you the best with all your endeavors. And if I'm ever in Sweden, I'll holler at you. Let me know. Thanks so much. It was so great to catch up with you, Sean. No problem. Folks, don't forget our coping today. Consistency is harder when no one is clapping for you. You must clap for yourself during these times. You must always be your biggest fan. Like Ms. Stout said, uh, consistency is key. If you're doing an ultra, a 5K, a four mile, a marathon, whatever it is, you got to be consistent. You got to put that work in. You got to make sure that even though it's clapping for you, you're still putting in that grind. And it's going to pay off whether you're going to be doing things for you or for your community. It's good to go out there and make sure that you're giving it your best. And she's definitely is doing that in Sweden, all around the world. So I continue to inspire you, hopefully, to do your best to go out there and, and of course, to be more today. As always, Be More Today show is everywhere. Again, 46 countries, trending, trending, trending. So go on there and follow us. Check out our, our webpage, bemoretoday.com for my book, our more swag store. Um, anything that's always made to be more today and if you want to send me an email about Caroline or anybody else on the show or just want to get more information about be more today send it to drshawn at bemoretoday.com as I always say folks have a good day have a good night have a great life and continue to take your steps to be the best version of you we'll see you next week peace